Welcome to the Lex Tech in 10 podcast, a resource for Lexington teachers to learn about innovative technology to use in your classroom, as well as tips and tricks to streamline your workload. I'm Lisa Rhodes, one of the elementary digital learning coaches. I'm Rachel Kuberry, the district's assistive technology specialist. And I'm Ann Kim Tenner, the high school digital learning coach. Just a reminder, the opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts and guests. Make sure you check out the show notes for more information, resources, and other podcasts. Hello, and welcome to episode 10, season two of the Lex Tech in 10 podcast. I am Lisa Rhodes. In this episode, Rachel talks with secondary world language teacher Ryan Casey, and Anne will spotlight Flipgrid. And now for some announcements. Your Frontline account is now a single sign-on. You can log in with your LPS Google account. As the school year comes to a close, now is the time to take a look at your Google Drive files and sort, edit, or transfer ownership if needed. If you are leaving the district, please reach out to your building's DLC for closeout information. All right. I am here this week with Ryan Casey, who is a world language teacher up at LHS teaching Spanish. And by the looks of our notes, Ryan, you're teaching all sorts of Spanish (laughs) all over the place. Yes, all over the place, indeed. (laughs) Um, So welcome. Thank you for being here um, on our podcast, you know, talking about what you're doing this year in technology and education. So thank you for joining us. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so like I said, I, I noticed that you're sort of all over the place. Can you help our listeners understand what you're teaching this year, who your students are, um, how school looks for you this year? Yes. I suppose like most teachers, I am indeed all over the place, both physically and mentally. And yep. um, I am teaching grades nine and 12 this year. I teach in three different classrooms at the moment. So and some of those classrooms I'm sitting because of the way that the room is set up and some of those classrooms I'm standing the whole time, depending on how the room is set up. Yeah. So three very different environments. As I said, I teach two very different grade levels. Yeah. um, Very different levels of engagement, very different approaches uh, from the student end in terms of how they're choosing or not choosing to connect with their learning. Because you have students both at home and in person at the I'm, high school, right? Yeah, we're in okay. the hybrid model. Yep. So my senior classes, I have pretty small cohorts in person. I have about three or four kids in person and then another 14, 15 at home. Yep. And with the ninth graders, it's about, you know, seven or eight in person, and then the remainder at home. So um, I would imagine, like you alluded to, all teachers are in the boat of this year looks different than a a traditional year. Um, And I would like to hear, because technology, I think, has always been a little different in the world languages. Um, And so I would love to hear about technology that's really helped you out this year, um, both as just like a cool world language technology tool, but also managing that the, your kids are in different places, which is a unique to the high school when we're thinking about Lexington. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I went into this year really conscious of the fact that technology was going to, I was going to have to hinge a lot or, or a lot was going to hinge on technology. Yes. So I am Flipgrid certified and have been using Flipgrid pretty faithfully for a number of years now. So oh, that's okay. been kind of a staple of my classroom. 
and the kids love it, right? Uh, <laughs> I think they enjoy it. I think they get a little tired of it. I may be beating it Because you to love death, it that much? Yeah, I do. I, largely because it's just so simple for me to use and for yeah. them, but it's um, very and simple. And it matches the world language setup, I think, nicely. Yeah. And th- this year, you know, at the high school, we have a language lab where we usually do a lot of speaking and listening activities and oral yeah. exams. And we don't have that or we don't have access to it. We really can't use it this year. Yep. So Flipgrid um, has been saving me on that. Some of us are also experimenting with a platform called Extempore, which okay. does kind of has similar features in terms of you know doing oral um, and listening work. So um, just to back up for a minute, because I I should have asked you this a minute ago, for people who maybe haven't used Flipgrid, we've talked about it on the podcast and it's used widely across Lexington. But for people that haven't used it, Flipgrid is essentially at its core, um, like a simple, I say simple, like it's it's easy to use um, video and audio recording. Yeah. And so it matches the world language really nicely because you don't get into that. Well, it's not. I'm not speaking in English and it's not understanding me that that goes away with Flipgrid because it's um, video and audio purely. So it doesn't matter what, what you're saying. That's right. Yeah. And they do have captioning available in different languages. In different languages. I understand. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. And other tech tools that are saving my life this year are Talk Abroad, which is What's a platform. That? I'm really grateful that our school um, can pay for it. It is a platform that basically allows students to video chat with native Spanish speakers in different countries. These are native speakers who are trained and you know certified to be doing this. Okay, so it's not like a pen pal situation. It's not, pen pal, it's it's not a, like, like a, a chat room. Yeah, um, it's very <laughs> very safe and secure. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, we are doing pen pals in the ninth grade classes. They're sending videos back and forth with a high school in Malaga, Spain. Yep. So they've done a few of those. That's awesome. And then, oh, um, with my seniors, I use a platform that's called Edu Novela. Uh-huh. And it's a platform where the kids can watch um, episodes of a Spanish TV show, episodes that are chunked out kind of specifically for students. Because it's called Edu Novella, but I'm not thinking telenovela. Uh, I Take it down a notch, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the show we're watching has telenovela qualities, but okay. <laughs> it's not exactly what they're watching. Um and the, the episodes, they have subtitles in Spanish, and there's vocab on the side, and there's quizzes for the kids to check their comprehension. So it's allowed us to supplement um, our study of the Spanish Civil War by watching a historical drama that's set during that time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then it has those sort of other teacher tools, it sounded exactly. like, integrated into the exactly. interface, which must make it much easier for you and for students. Cause I think a challenge that we've had this year and probably hits you pretty hard as a, a world language teacher who might be a little separate from those core subject areas sometimes that kids don't remember where their stuff is and where they go for what. And right. you probably have that same experience as a teacher is like, I'm doing this with my seniors, but I have these ninth graders who are on a different thing. So the more that we can find these hardy tools right. that keep everything in one place, I think it makes 
makes the year easier from an executive functioning perspective for everyone. And um, that's been a challenge for everyone this year, but our high school kids that are, you know, developing their executive functioning, these tools, I think really, really meet them where they're at. So that's awesome. Yeah. And the last tool I would say that I um, haven't been using as frequently, but I'm trying to remind myself, I use a platform that's called Give Thanks, uh, THX. It is a gratitude app. It's very simple in its design. It's really just a a platform for kids to send and receive quick thank you notes to each other and or to me. And they hashtag each thank you note with a kind of why, why they're thanking them. Is it, is it friendship? Is it collaboration? Is it joy? Is it patience? So so is that something that's just embedded in your class all the time, or is there a special time of the day or weeks that kids are directed to go there, or it's just sort of like a social-emotional part of your whole class? It's it's a social-emotional part. I try to remind myself to do it, you know, if they just did small group projects or partner work or, you know, it's Thanksgiving, it's pre-vacation, it's yeah. a tough week, it's, you know. It's MCAS, it's return yeah. to school, all these things that are coming up. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Do other people at the high school use it? I haven't heard of that. Yes. Uh, Rena awesome. Mazur, French teacher, uses it. Yeah. Jared Cassidy, performing yep. arts department head, uses it. And I did get some other teachers across campus on board this year using no it. Doubt. So That's really nice. Yeah. So um, what connected me and you today for the podcast is I was talking to my colleague, Ann Tenner, um, who does the podcast with us. And we were, you know, looking at rounding out the year and she was like, Ryan Cassidy has done this, Ryan Casey, I'm sorry, he's a Jared Cassidy. (laughs) I mushed them together. Um, Ryan Casey has done this amazing project in, I think it was slides. Yes. And so it's cool because it's sort of like a, like a tool that we can use for a lot of different things and you used mm-hmm. it for something um, really different. And I would like to hear a little bit about this project, if you can. I know it's a visual project. Um, so if you can describe it so our listeners can get an idea of what it looked like and how your students completed it and what they thought of cool. it, I would love that. Yeah. So every year in my AP Spanish class, we do a unit on immigration And as part of this unit, the students read the first chapter of a very well-known book called Borderlands. It's a very famous text. Um, Some students have told me they they go on to college and and encounter it again. And in this first chapter, the author really defines this idea of a borderlands, which is really kind of a, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, it's kind of a, a liminal a liminal place in one's life. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she connects it to the the borderlands, you know, between uh, Mexico and the United States. But we all live in some kind of borderlands. Um, our seniors live, you know, in the borderland between adolescence and adulthood, between high school and college. Maybe they live in a borderlands between the two different cultures on different sides of their families, things like that. And so I've always had them do this, this, this border art project inspired by not only the, the borderlands text, but by the fact that there are visual artists 
on the U.S.-Mexico border who create artwork that represents the fact that they live in this literal borderlands. Yeah. And so in years past, you know, the kids have created artwork and I've hung it up in the classroom or I've made a nice bulletin board in the hallway or I've put it on Padlet, different ways, you know, to share it. And this year, I'm a big fan, as I, as I know many teachers are, of Slides Mania, which is yeah. just a website with a lot of really lovely slides templates. And there is a museum one now. And I thought, oh, that would just be a really cool way in this virtual year to showcase the artwork that these kids make. So they submitted their artwork and they submitted uh, this year, both the artwork itself and they used Flipgrid uh (laughs) to record (laughs) um, kind of artist statements, you know, explanations of their artwork. They recorded two versions, one in Spanish, one in English. And so I went through, I looked at their artwork and I made a note of kind of what the theme was of each piece. Yep. And then I, organized the museum you know into rooms based on the different themes was it a a a personal borderland a political borderland a metaphysical borderland you know what was the central idea and i curated the museum basically I, i organized their their work in what what seemed to me a sensible way i linked you know linked everything so someone could go in there and 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 click the work and and see the full, you know, full size picture, click a link and hear the flip grid. And then I made a brochure to accompany the museum so that, you know, again, someone could go in and, and be able to identify kind of what the works are and who made them. And I shared this with, um, I shared it with, the faculty and I shared it on Twitter with the world basically. So I know that, that parents and students and colleagues were able to go in and, and kind of walk through, so to speak, this, this virtual museum and see what the kids had done. And so what was the, um, like, how did the kids like it? They thought it was cool. They, I got some, some nice feedback. Um, it, it was a labor of love for sure. It took me a lot. I was going to, I didn't know when I saw it that you put everything together, that you were yeah. the museum curator and that feels like a part-time job for you that week. It would have yeah. been. Yeah. I probably could have asked, you know, asked them to facilitate that process. But, you know, some... that, in the first time around you did, you did yeah. the heavy lifting and that probably made it easier for everybody, but you, and, and maybe <laughs> next time around, that's a part that can shift a little bit. Yes, for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Well, we are almost out of time, but I'm curious, you know, as we look for um, the full return in just a couple of weeks up at LHS, um, and I, I for one, am looking forward to September. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not wishing the days away, but I am looking forward to September. You know, what did you learn? I think, like, what? how can we end? What did you learn this year that you want to carry forward and that you want to keep? Um, because I think the the way we did school this year does have some really nice features and silver lining that is worth hanging on to. One thing that I want to keep is my digital agendas. I think yeah. they've been really helpful for me and for the kids to have all the agendas in one place. 
Um, just the digital organization element of this year has been helpful, I think, for all of us. So if you put all your digital agendas in one place, where do you put them? In, in classroom. classroom. So I have a running, yeah, running so slides. And you put the new agenda in. Agendas, yeah. And then That's allow awesome. me to link to, you know, if I'm referencing a project or I'm referencing an activity, I can very easily link all of the documents and things that kids need. So it's like one place for them to go is the digital agenda. Yeah. And then yeah. most of their other things. There's, agenda, there's a homework. There's the link to what we're doing. Yeah. That I definitely want to keep. I think it will help kids be organized. Yeah. That's and awesome. the, the, the conversation that I want to keep yeah. <laughs> is um, around, you know, I, I guess I'm going to make a controversial statement. <laughs> Make a controversial okay. statement on this podcast. Here's my hot take. It's right at the end, so we'll just we'll just cut you off, Ryan, if it goes south. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I really believe that the current generation of students, I don't believe that these students are good with technology. Mm. I believe that we have we have chosen to believe that they are quote unquote digital natives yes, and that therefore we have very minimal responsibility in terms of teaching them how to use technology because in our minds, they're teaching themselves. Yes. But as a, as an educator, <laughs> I, I see that they don't, they, they don't really know how to use classroom without support. They don't know how to use Aspen without support. There are simple tasks that they just can't do. They, I, I had, I had some students this year that didn't know, didn't know what to do when they clicked a link in the agenda and opened the PDF and it was rotated the wrong way. They, they did not know how to solve that problem. I had kids that literally thought that the best way to solve that problem in the moment was to pick up their laptop and, and tilt it. And yeah. I thought that is that's not good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think this year has really, um, we have a little bit of space right now, but we didn't have the space when the pandemic started and we shifted our education so quickly to look at some of those foundational technology skills and how some kids have them um, for high interest things and how that applies to school. Um, and if there are gaps, what are they and where do we need to provide instruction for technology skills so that it doesn't come out of their academic learning time, which is perhaps what you're seeing a little bit. Right, exactly. Yeah. So no, I, I, I do hope that that's something that we can continue to pay attention to. So, oh, good point. All right, sir. Thank you so much for being here today, sharing your insight into technology and the world language and uh, the high school and sharing your cool project with us and some of your favorite tech tools. And I love that you're a Flipgrid, what did you say? You're a trained Flipgrid specialist or something. Yes, there's a name for it and I'm blanking on it, <laughs> but I am right. certified. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. So nice to talk to you. Hi, it's Anne here, and today I'm going to talk about Flipgrid. Flipgrid is a free website where teachers can create video assignments and push them out through Google Classroom. We have a signed privacy agreement, so students can feel free to post their videos with confidence, and teachers have the ability to allow students to see each other's videos or make them private. Teachers have used Flipgrid for all kinds of projects, from get-to-know-you videos at the beginning of the year, 
just and allow students to see each other's videos or not, and you can allow them also to make comments or not. Teachers can also post individual assessments so that only the teacher can see the videos. It's easy to use and has tons of applications. Teachers have used it to have students share their math and their processes, uh, language assessments, and more. Contact your digital learning coach for details and help getting started. Thank you for listening to the Lex Tech in 10 podcast. Don't forget to reach out to any one of us or your building digital learning coach for questions and assistance. That's what we're here for. Also, check out our website, gg.gg backslash Lex Tech in the number 10, where you can find show notes and other resources. Do you have an idea for a future podcast? Would you like to be featured on a future podcast? Email us at lextechin, number 10, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.